The views and opinions expressed on my story, Living with Lupus Podcast, represents each person's individual experience. By listening to this podcast or reading our blog, you agree not to use this podcast or blog as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. As always, consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. My Story Living with Lupus podcast is officially trademarked, all rights reserved. Thank you for joining me for another episode of My Story Living with Lupus. On today's episode, it's all about healthcare news. That's right, optometrist murder charge, incest prescriber convicted, fugitive doc goes to prison. That's right, it's all regarding bad practice. A weekly roundup of alleged, suspected, or proven wrongdoing by medical professionals. So you know what I want you to do? You know, go grab your cup of coffee. I have mine. Grab your cup of tea. And if you're listening late at night, grab your favorite glass of wine and come on and join the conversation right here on My Story, Living with Lupus. If you would like to appear on an episode of My Story Living with Lupus, you can contact us at mystorylivingwithlupus at gmail.com. Also visit us on our Instagram page and also our website, My Story Living with Lupus. Hey, this is Susan. Your host for my story, Living with Lupus. By the sound of my voice, you can tell, yes, I am sick. I had a follow-up doctor's appointment yesterday, and I went in feeling good. But once I got home, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Yes, I am sick. Um, usually, you know, I, I gear up when I go into the doctor's office. I had my mask on and everything, but I guess my mask didn't do the job right. So I have caught something from the doctor's office, but my word is my bond. And I had to get this episode out. 
It was no sense of me laying around in the bed. I told my sister I have to get up and keep it moving forward regardless of how I feel. So, yes, we'll be talking about the latest in healthcare news. We'll also be discussing polyautoimmunity in patients with lupus. So that's right. Go grab that cup of coffee. Go grab your cup of tea. And for those who are listening late at night, you know I appreciate you. Go grab two glasses of wine, one for yourself and drink one for me. And come on and join the conversation on my story, Living with Lupus. Stay with me. Yes, we're talking about polyautoimmunity, common in lupus. If you don't understand or don't know what polyautoimmune disease or syndrome is, it's defined as the presence of more than one autoimmune disease in a single patient. You know, a substantial number of patients with systemic lupus erythematosus, better known as SLE, had features of other autoimmune conditions, but treatment with antimalarial hydroxychloroquine appeared to be protective of kids against this polyautoimmunity. Among a nationwide cohort of 3,679 SLE patients, 13.6% were found to have polyautoimmunity with the most common type of a Additional condition being autoimmune thyroiditis. In 7.9%, according to Dr. Nebro of the University of Malaga and colleagues, however, the use of anti-malarial drugs was associated with having of the likelihood of polyautoimmunity or 0.5095%, the team reported in rheumatology. Previous research has demonstrated that some patients with SLE can exhibit characteristics of other autoimmune diseases, such as systemic sclerosis and overlap syndrome, like mixed connective tissue disease. But the frequency of these coexisting conditions has been uncertain. It would be interesting to know how polyautoimmunity affects patients with SLE, the investigators wrote. 
Increased knowledge will provide us with information on the frequency and clinical characteristics of the condition and pave the way for new lines of research into clinical significance of and mechanisms involved in autoimmunity. The researchers therefore conducted a retrospective study of all adult SLE patients enrolled in the Spanish Society of Rheumatology's Lupus Registry from 45 referrals centers throughout the country. Patients were considered to have polyautoimmunity if, in addition to fulfilling the criteria for SLE, they also had features of autoimmune thyroiditis, mixed connective tissue disease, rheumatoid arthritis, systemic sclerosis, or inflammatory myopathy. Those with SLE plus 2 or more other autoimmune conditions were classified as having the more extreme multiple autoimmune syndrome. The researchers also determined whether patients had secondary Sjogren's syndrome, secondary antiphospholipid syndrome, or a family history of autoimmune disease and what treatments had been used. Of the 3,679 patients included in the analysis, 502 had polyautoimmunity, and 51 had MAS. More than 90% were women. Mean average age was 49, and median disease duration was 13.5 years. Among those classified as having Polyautoimmunity, the most common clinical manifestations were arthritis, cutaneous disorders, and Raynaud's phenomenon. Almost all had positive anti-nuclear antibody titers and anti-DNA, anti-RO, anti-RNP antibodies frequently being detected. Now, most, which is 91.1% of the polyautoimmune patients had received glucosteroids, as had 88.9% of those in the entire SLE cohort. However, the polyautoimmune group more often had received methotrexate than the overall SLE 
cohorts, but less frequently have been given anti-malarials. Pacific types of coexisting autoimmune diseases other than thyroiditis included mixed connective tissue disease and 2.6% and rheumatoid arthritis, systemic sclerosis or inflammatory myopathy in 3.5%. Secondary Sjogren's syndrome was present in 14.1%, and secondary antiphospholipid syndrome in 13.7%, while a family history of autoimmune disease was noted in 11.8% in the subgroup of patients with MAS. All were women and kidney disease was less common, but intertestinal lung disease was reported. In the overall polyautoimmune group anti-RO Sjogren's syndrome related antigen antibodies were commonly detected, whereas in the MAS subgroup, anti-RNP antibodies predominated. Now, I keep telling you, it's more to lupus than lupus. You know, I had someone to ask me the other day, do you die from lupus? And I explained to them, I said, in my opinion, from the research and clinical findings, lupus is not the cause of death. It's the underlying conditions that lupus attacks. You know, lupus attacks the internal organs. So I use myself as an example. I say, you know, I have congestive heart failure and I'm having problems with my lung. So when I go into a, a flare, lupus attacks my internal organs. And when I pass away, it won't state that I died from lupus. The doctors will note that I died from congestive heart failure or kidney failure or something dealing with my lungs with lupus being the underlying cause. It is more to lupus than lupus. That's why when you see people post about individuals dying from lupus. Their death, lupus is a contributing factor to their death because it attacked a particular organ. And I think 
once people truly understand the medical portion of lupus, they will be better informed to go out and advocate for lupus. I hope you understood what I was saying. Lupus is not the cause of death. I'm just going to put it out there to you. It's the underlying cause because it attacks our internal organs. And once people do the research and read the clinical studies on lupus, you will understand No, it's not the cause of death. It's the underlying cause of death. The cause of death could be from a heart attack, but lupus was the underlying condition. The cause of death could be due from kidney failure, and lupus was the underlying condition that caused the kidney failure. So when you're getting information from these groups that you will find on Facebook, Instagram, or online in general. Make sure you do your research to find out the facts. That's why when I do my episodes, I set up for probably about two weeks And I go through my research papers, and then I look and see what latest research findings have been found on a particular subject that I'm looking for. It's a lot of footwork that I go through to make sure I bring you the most accurate information. No, I am not going to bring you a bunch of BS so you can listen to it. And um, I don't want you to get caught up in being misinformed. If you don't know, ask your doctor. But lupus is the underlying condition and the cause of death. And no, I'm not afraid to talk or tell somebody about when they ask me this question. And they'll tell me, I don't mean to sound morbid, but are you afraid? No, I'm not afraid. What do I have to be afraid of? Just tell me that. What do I have to be afraid of? I still have to keep it moving forward. You know, just like um, I was when I was at the doctor's office um, Thursday and we were discussing. Well, I was telling him about, um, you know, just be for real with me. Excuse me. You guys are just trying to keep me comfortable. We've all been through this before. And he says, Susan, are you in one of those moods? I said, you know, I thought about it on my way here. I said, I'm sick of coming to seeing you guys. We go through the same thing 
every time I come, I said, you tell me to do this and to do that. And I tell you what I'm going to do or what I'm not going to do. And why are we going through this? Just be for real. You're trying to keep me comfortable. And um, it's up to God to keep me moving. So I'm not worried. I am not worried. Because we all are born to die. It's what's in between that makes a difference. Either we can sit and wallow in what we're going through, or we can get up and fight and become informed so we can make the next person knowledgeable about having this illness. So that's how I take it. No, I don't worry about dying. And I told the person that. I don't worry about that at all because I'm going to keep it moving forward. And I'm using my story of what I've been through. You guys have just heard the half of it. I'm using what I've been through to make the next person more aware of what to look for. You know, I've seen people who have taken my story. I have posted information about my story of what I went through with this disease. They have copied, cut, edited, and pasted it on to their page to make it look like they're going through the same thing. Now, how could you go through the same thing as I? Just think about it. Just think about it. My story is my story. Now, if you want to take my story and live it as your story, you go right ahead. You take the heart attacks. You take the strokes. You take um, the situations where I came close to death, not only once, not only twice, but three times. If you want to take that, hey, you take it. But don't try to fool the individuals out here who are going through this disease and make your own self look good off of somebody else's trials and tribulations of going through this disease. It is totally wrong, and yes, I called them out on it. Yes, I did, but that was my daily rant because I talked to my sister about it. I said, people are using my information as their information, my story as their story. That's my intellectual 
um, property. That's what I've been through. Lupus does not affect everyone the same. That's common fact. It is not a one-size-fits-all illness. Just like I have had overlapping autoimmune conditions. Yes, polyautoimmune. Yes, I have that, but you may not have it. Or the person next to you who has lupus may only exhibit two polyautoimmune diseases. But as the disease progresses, it will progress into more. So there you go. Tell your story because it's your story. No one can tell my story but me. And no one can ride off of my coattail of my story. You know, just like I'll tell you this and then we'll get back to it. I have been duped, yes I have, by people who have claimed to have lupus. And um, who contacted me and stated that they didn't have any food for their children. Now, me, I have a soft heart. I have a good heart. So what I did, I sent them money to feed their children. But in turn, after I did some research, they went on a trip. Never again. Be very careful who tells you that they have this disease because it's a lot of people, especially on Facebook, who run scams about having this illness and they don't. Stay with me and I'll go into the second part of polyautoimmune disease. We're back to finish up talking about polyautoimmune in lupus patients. In the polyautoimmune group, including MAS subgroup, methotrexate and rituxan were used more often than among those with SLE without polyautoimmunity. And in addition to lower rates of using hydroxychloroquine, we all know that as Plaquenil, in the polyautoimmune group, the duration of anti-malaria exposure was significantly less at a medium of 56.6 versus 185.9 months. In a multivariant analysis, comparing polyautoimmune 
immune. Patients with the overall SLE cohort factors that were associated with polyautoimmunity, including female sex, plus these clinical features, lung disease, anti-RO and or anti-LA antibody positivity, Raynard's phenomenon, anti-RNP antibody positivity. Now, the authors noted that these features typically are associated with a poor prognosis in polyautoimmunity. The observation that hydroxychloroquine, which is Plaquenil, was underused in these patients was potentially important. Although cross-sectional design of the study precluded any assumption of casualty. Nonetheless, while this finding has to be confirmed, the lower frequency of anti-malarial drugs in patients with polyautoimmunity suggests that these agents would have to protective effect against polyautoimmunity, the authors concluded. This information was provided by MedPage Today. When we come back, it's all about the latest in healthcare news. That's right. It's all about the latest in healthcare news. Optometrist murder charges, incest prescriber convicted, fugitive doc goes to prison. Bad practice, a weekly roundup of alleged, suspected, or proven wrongdoing by medical professionals. That's right, this weekly roundup features arrests, criminal proceedings, and other reports alleging improper or questionable conduct by healthcare professionals. Anthony Prate, a Chicago area optometrist, was charged with stabbing his nurse anesthetist girlfriend to death just before Thanksgiving. The Chicago Tribune reported Margaret Daniel suffered 20 to 30 stab wounds. The newspaper said, police also said they would would take another look at a 2011 car crash that killed his wife. Her family had reported Lee wanted more investigation into the crash, even before Daniel's murder. Now, see, that's what I say. Physicians know how to get rid of you. That's why when my parents wanted me to marry a doctor, I told them, no way, uh-uh, because 
I know the kind of mouth I have. I know what I will not take. And I know what I will do and not do. And I told my parents, they will get rid of me quick and in a hurry. And now I'm not making fun of how this woman died, but in my opinion, this is my opinion. I'm not saying doctors are like this anyway, but I know I will get on somebody's nerve and they would just ice me totally out. But two ex-physicians in suburban Atlanta will serve long-term prison terms, five and 25 years respectively. After their conviction on charges, they ran an illegal cosmetic surgery clinic. That's right, an illegal cosmetic surgery clinic. A third defendant, the clinic's secretary, was sentenced to 15 years on probation. Neither of the physicians and valid license while operating the clinic. One had lost his license after a Medicaid fraud conviction, and the others had been suspended for repeated sexual encounters with patients, as reported by Atlanta Journal-Constitution. In Syracuse, New York, a nursing home aide was arrested for allegedly slapping a 90-year-old resident with a wet cloth, and that 90-year-old resident should have got up and slapped her right back. Police filed misdemeanor charges in the case because the victim's injuries, which were facial bruises, weren't severe enough to qualify as felony assault according to Syracuse.com. The motive was unclear, but a police spokesperson said the victim was disoriented and could have been combative. The nurse aide pled not guilty. I don't care if the 90-year-old woman was combative. You know, at that age, something is going on mentally, and no one has the right to put their hands on an elderly 90-year-old person. And how could the aide plead not guilty when she or he put bruises on that person's face. This one, I don't understand. But if it was my parent, first of all, I wouldn't put my parent in a nursing home facility. That's the first thing. But you will not put your hand on my parent. I would have came in there and tore the whole place up. 
for placing your hand on my parent. That's why if you decide to put your parent in a nursing home, if it is too much to care for your mother or father at home, make sure that you go in there every day and check on your loved one. I don't play that. I do not play that. And yes, I get a little excited when I read this story. I got heated. I would have tore the whole place up, would have looked for the aid. I would have whooped his or her butt. And then I would have went, sat down in the lobby and waited for the police to take me away. Yes, I would have. All right, now back. The physician whose Tennessee pain management practice was tied to five fatal overdoses in less than a year, a case that received wide publicity, has now pleaded guilty to illegally distributing controlled substances, for which he could receive 20 years in prison per the Tennessean. A fourth New York physician connected to Insys Therapeutics was found guilty in the scandal surrounding the company's marketing a substance, the sublingual fentanyl spray. Gordon Freeman, MD, was convicted of conspiracy to commit wire fraud and violate the federal anti-kickback law. Freeman was paid speaker, was a paid speaker for insists, but prosecutors contended the payments were really a reward for writing substance prescriptions per Reuters news. In Miami, the physician who jumped bond last spring after her conviction on opioid dealing charges was sentenced to more than 17 years in prison. She fled to Mexico and then to her native Haiti, where U.S. and local authorities finally caught up to her in July, per the Miami Herald. That has been your weekly roundup in the news. And I tell you this before I go. Some doctors give other doctors bad names by the things they do. And yes, I will say this. Some doctors are led by greed. And anything they could do to get or make that almighty dollar, they will do. That's why we have a community today within the inner city who do not trust doctors and will tell you they are full of it. All they want to do is to prescribe pills and get you hooked. 
And the medical community has to realize, how will you gain that trust back from the community, the community that you are supposed to serve and do no harm? Yes, it is hard to trust some physicians out here because some are led by greed, which makes it bad for those who are trying to help those within the community. Think about that medical community. How will you gain that trust back when you have doctors out here who are not only selling their soul for the almighty dollar, but who are selling their patient's health so they can make an extra dollar just to keep their lifestyles up, but are doing harm in society. Something to think about. Well, you know, I appreciate each and every one of you. Um, I wanted to tell you about what is planned for 2020 for my story, Living with Lupus Podcast. Well, we will be going live on Periscope and on YouTube. Um, You'll get to see me face-to-face, and I still will be bringing you information that your doctors may not have even told you or that you may have been too afraid to ask the doctor about. Yeah, I'm still going to keep doing that. And for the foundation that I have set up, the Charlie E. and Minnie P. Hendricks Foundation for Chronic Illness Awareness, I will be doing updates live on Periscope and YouTube for that also. The website will have a new design, new logo. So that's what's coming up for 2020. But before I go, you know I'm not feeling well today, but I have to keep it moving forward and keep going. And this is what I want to tell you today. No matter what you do, no matter how many times you screw up and think to yourself, there's no point to carry on. No matter how many people tell you that you can't do it, and they will be people telling you that, you keep going. Don't quit. Don't quit because a month from now, you will be that much closer to your goal than you are now. 
Yesterday you said tomorrow, but you got to make today count. I'm your host, Susan Hendricks, for another episode of my story, Living with Lupus. I'll see you next Friday. You enjoy your day. You keep it positive. And if it does not add into your life, subtract whatever it is from it. You have a blessed and oh-so-peaceful weekend. See you next time. The views and opinions expressed on my story, Living with Lupus Podcast, represents each person's individual experience. By listening to this podcast or reading our blog, you agree not to use this podcast or blog as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. As always, consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. My Story Living with Lucas podcast is officially trademarked, all rights reserved. Thank you.